Uh, let us find our place in Romans chapter number 4. Romans chapter number 4. I'm getting a little bit of a late start this morning, so I may chop my message off. We may not even get to the uh, complete uh, title here. But uh, Romans chapter 4, I want to bring you a message entitled, Imputation, the Doctrine of Imputation. What is imputation? Is it a Bible doctrine? Where does it come from? What does it mean? What does God do with this doctrine of imputation? And we're going to read here in Romans chapter 4. I'll wait till you find your place. I'm a little tired this morning. I dreamed last night that I was a muffler and woke up exhausted. <laughs> so we're going to read. If you would stand with me. You've been seated for a while. Stand with me in Romans chapter number 4 and verse number 1. Romans 4.1, what shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? Question number one, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, watch this phrase, but not before God. Underline that phrase. For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted in accounting term. It was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man saying this, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. There's our word, imputeth. If you'll write in your Bible out beside of that, write it beside of that, the doctrine of imputation. We're going to find out. It's not the doctrine of amputation. That costs you an arm and leg. Some of y'all will get that tomorrow. It's the doctrine of imputation. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the day. Thank you so much for a growing church and the ability to come here and worship you and the freedom that we have. Now we've come to hear from the Word of God. I pray for all those on our prayer list and sick list, and I, I pray, Father, that you just touch our church in a special way, for it's in Jesus' name, amen, amen. The great theme of the book of Romans is justification by faith. That is, that we are justified by God when we believe on and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here is writing to the church at Rome. And the church at Rome had become plagued by legalists or people who were attached to the Old Testament law so much that they said in order to be saved that you had to practice the Old Testament law for salvation or you had to practice the Old Testament law to maintain your salvation. They said that adherence to the law was necessary for salvation. And so Paul here begins to, to build an argument in Romans chapter 4 that we are saved by grace through faith without the deeds of the law. Amen. Amen. If you ever get saved genuinely born again by the Spirit of God, you will understand that you are saved by faith. 
There's nothing that we can offer God. So the deeds of the law, by the deeds of the law, we can never earn enough credit, enough favor, enough merit to stand before God and say, I'm good enough to enter into your heaven. And so Paul is going all the way back to Abraham to prove a point that we are saved by grace through faith by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Question number one, look at verse number one. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, underline that, what did Abraham say as pertaining to the flesh? When Paul chooses Abraham for an example, he chooses the father of the faith. Those Jews revered Abraham as their progenitor. Now, Abraham is not just the father of the Jew. He's the father of faith. If you're saved, the Bible says he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, but a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. When you get saved, you become a Jew inwardly. I got a problem with Christians who hate Jews. I don't think they're really Christians. How can you hate, they call it anti-Semitism, how can a person with a Jewish heart hate a Jewish person? If you're saved, there is a Jew living in your heart. So Abraham becomes our father. So what did the question here, get the question in verse number one. Abraham did not find something in the spirit. What did he find when it comes to the flesh? What did Abraham discover that his works were good for? Let's read verse 2. What were Abraham's works good for? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory before men, but not before God. Pardon me for injecting a word there, but it helps us to understand. If Abraham were justified by his works then he could stand before God and say, hey, I merited this, I earned this, I credited this. But he was not. He was justified before men. He hath whereof the glory before men, but not before God. So Abraham could not say, God, look what I did. God, look what I accomplished. Look at my deeds. Paul thunders from the scripture, Abraham hath whereof the glory, but not before God. Amen. Amen. The problem today is with people. People want to earn their own salvation. And you know what happens? The cults and the isms and the schisms and the false religions pick up on the fact that people want to earn something. You know what they do? They say, okay, come to our church. We'll give you something to do. And if you do this, you can be saved. If you do that, you can be saved. And so people, people want that. They say, okay, you know, my mama taught me and my daddy taught me to work and earn things. Hey, if you want something, get a job and earn it yourself. And our, our news generation needs to learn that. Somebody say amen. We have a whole generation. But listen, that's pertaining, remember the first question, pertaining to the flesh. Let me just tell you quite honestly, church, if you want something, get a job and earn it. Amen. Pertaining to the flesh. If you want salvation, that don't work before God. 
God accepts faith and faith alone. Faith is exchanged for grace. We're going to look at that accounting term in just a minute. And so false religions corrupt the way of God. And uh, uh, the Bible says that Abraham here hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Let me ask you a question. When you go to your class reunion, and I'm going to tell you how long ago it's been since I graduated high school. When you go to your class reunion, you're going to find that one person that hasn't seen you in 40 years, and they're going to start boasting. I mean bragging. I did this, and I got that, and I got this job, and I made six-digit figures, and I built a house here, and guess what? I'm still a power lifter at 62 years old. Do you want to hear that? If you don't want to hear boasting and bragging, do you think God does? Ooh. I would like to drive this into the hearts and minds of the cults in America today. God is not interested in your boasting. Abraham believed God. Look at verse 4. What saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Amen. I must discover what Abraham discovered in the flesh. If I accomplish something, then I can boast before men even if they don't want to hear it. But I can not boast before God because he surely doesn't want to hear it. Amen. So what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. What did Abraham discover in the flesh? He could boast before men. Second question. Look at the second question in verse number four. What does the scripture say? You ever run into a cult or a false religion? The best thing you can do, dear friend, is say, what does the scripture say? I don't care what you found in the flesh. I don't care what kind of service they had in the flesh. I don't care what kind of ministry they're supposed to have in the flesh. You better, dear friend, get back to the Word of God and say, What does the Scripture say? <laughs> what does the Scripture say? That Abraham believed God. That Abraham had confidence in God. That Abraham trusted God. And it was counted, it was reckoned to him, it was imputed unto him, it was given unto him for righteousness. Amen. How did that come about? How did Abraham's faith come about? God appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter number 15, and he says, Abraham, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great Reward. And the first thing that Abraham says was, Lord, wait a minute. If you're my shield and my exceeding great reward, I, you know, I'm old and I don't have an heir. I've got all this stuff. I mean, you've blessed me with all this inheritance. And the person who's going to get my inheritance is a servant. And Lord, you've not given me a child. And the Lord said, Abraham, I want you to do something. Step out here with me. I want you to look at the stars. And I want you to count the stars. And if you can count all the stars, I want you to know that that's the multitude of people. That represents the multitude of people that you're going to be the father of. 
And the Bible says, watch this, Abraham was 100 years old when God said that. Sarah was 90 years old. And the Bible says that Abraham believed Genesis 15, 6. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that Abraham believed in the Lord and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. Now, the Bible didn't say that Abraham believed the Lord. He said he believed, the Bible says Abraham believed in the Lord. Now, there's a big difference in believing in and believing. Amen. There are people that I don't believe in, but every once in a while, they give me a piece of good information. Amen. And I can believe that piece of information without believing in them. You see what I'm saying? Y'all are looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. Jason Paris hadn't been here in a while. I'm going to pick on him. Let's say that Jason is the worst drunk. You can't believe nothing he says. I'm not too far out of character, am I? <laughs> you, I mean, let's say he's just, I mean, you can't believe in him at all. But you're driving down the road, and Jason passes you on the other way, and he stops, and he says, hey, preacher, said, you know, watch out down here. The bridge is out. And I look, and in a distance, I see red lights and traffic backing up. I can believe him without believing in him. Are you all with me? That is, I believe his piece of information, but I don't believe in his character. Sorry, Jason. You were, it's nice to see you. I'd kiss you, but you'd have to shave. So... So, Abraham didn't just believe that piece of information that God gave him. He believed in God. It's not like, Lord, I believe this one piece of information, but I don't trust you for the rest of everything else. No, Abraham believed in God, that God is who he says he is, that God will do what he says he will do. We can trust his character. We can trust his integrity. We can trust his word. You can believe in him. And if you believe him in him, he will count it for righteousness. Amen. Abraham believed in the Lord. Now watch this. The next thing that God does is he counts it for righteousness. He imputes it for righteousness. That's an accounting term. God said, Abraham, I will take your faith and I will give you my righteousness. I will reckon. I will count. I will compute. I'm, so there's two things going on here. There's a computing and there's an imputing. Computing is when you sit down at a computer and you take something out or you compute a problem. That's computing. Imputing is putting something in. Is everybody with me? So God says, here's the doctor, very simple, boy, salvation, I'm glad salvation's simple, aren't you? So God says, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to compute something. Here's what I'm going to compute in my uh, reckoning, that I'll take your faith and I will impute my righteousness. I'll take something from you, your faith, and I'll put something into you, which is your, right, uh, my righteousness, God says. Now listen, you say, preacher, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. 
Well, it's like this. If you, it's, it's like God saying, okay, you give me a penny, and I'll count your penny and give you back a million dollars. Who wouldn't want that deal? Well, you know, that's like faith. I mean, God says, you give me your faith, and I'll give you my righteousness. Listen, you'd say, well, I'd rather have the million dollars. Well, the million dollars won't keep you out of hell. But the righteousness of God will. So God takes my little bit of faith. If I just had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, if I could just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he took my sin, that he died in my place, if I could just take that, God will give me his righteousness. It'll go into the bank of heaven. It'll be good for eternity. Praise God. I'll be the richest man in heaven. Not just on earth. My goodness. So God takes one thing and exchanges it for another. It's like, it's like if I were to say, hey, you bring me a dozen eggs, and I'll trade you your dozen eggs for my saddle and my bridle, and I'll even throw in the horse. That's a pretty good trade, right? So God is saying, you know, I go with one thing, a dozen eggs, and I come back with a whole other thing. I mean, I went with a dozen eggs, and now I'm leading the horse with a saddle. And so God does that with faith. He says, I will exchange your faith for my righteousness. It's like going to the store. You say, but that doesn't, still doesn't make sense. Well, let me give you a third example. It's this thing called reckoning. Let's say I own a grocery store, and I have a sign on the grocery store. It's my store. It's my product. And I say on the store, I will take U.S. dollars in cash only. My store, right? You come into my store and you fill up your buggy with uh, all these items, roll to my cash register, and pull out Monopoly money. Now, you'd be a fool to do that, and I'd be stupid to take it. That's exactly spiritually where God is. You say, preacher, those are simple examples. I'm telling you, millions in America don't understand that. And they're going to hell in a church seat, thinking they can offer God their monopoly money to get there. They're bypassing the cross of Calvary. They're bypassing the grace of God. They have no clue about imputation. They have no clue about justification by faith. Uh, and one day they're going to open their eyes in the judgment seat of God, uh, and he's going to say, depart from me, you workers are workers. Of iniquity, I never knew you. Because they didn't understand the doctrine of imputation. Amen. He goes on. Let's just say this. Here's where I like God's grocery store. I can go in with my shopping cart. And I can throw in forgiveness and grace and mercy, and the blessings of God, roll right up to the cash register, say, God, I'm unworthy. I have nothing to pay. Lord, I'm impoverished. I'm poor. I, I mean, my pockets are empty, but I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he died for me. I believe with all my heart that he took my sin to the cross of Calvary. I believe, Lord, that in that blood, there's enough to forgive me and save me for all of eternity. And God says, I'll take that. Get out of here with those groceries. Amen. Listen, 
You can't beat a deal like that at Kroger's. Amen. So let's look at verse 3. I've got to hurry. Or verse 4. Verse 4. Now to him that worketh, we're going to look at the opposite thing here. <coughs> Excuse me. To him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. There is that accounting word again. Reckoned. There is a spiritual exchange taking place here. And in God's economy, he deals in faith. Amen. Salvation is by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. If you work all day and you earn a wage, that is something that you earned. It is not a gift. Amen. You say, well, preacher, you know, is God, is God a little kind of twisted to take my little bit of faith? And put his son on the cross of Calvary, take my sin, give me salvation. One day give me streets of gold and gates of pearl. And I mean, man, what a crazy deal is that? You know what God really wants to do? For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It's a gift. It is a gift of God. A gift. God wants to really gift us. He wants to give it to us but he won't give it to us without faith. Oh, let me say that again. He wants to give it to us, but he won't give it to us without faith. I like what the former pastor did, Brother Lloyd. He, uh, he saw a young man. This is a good example. He saw a young man down when they lived on the river, and that young man had this old, decrepit bicycle. I mean, it would barely go. He was poor, impoverished. And uh, Lloyd wanted to give him a new bicycle. But he didn't want to hurt the boy's pride. And, he, and he, so he came up with a plan. Now, this is Lloyd's grace. So Lloyd goes to the store and he buys a brand new bicycle. And the old boy comes by on that decrepit, old, put-together bicycle. And Lloyd says, hey, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll trade you. I'll trade you your old bicycle for this brand spank new one. And that little old boy says, what? you got to be nuts, man. And Lloyd says, no, I'll make that trade. Why? Because Lloyd was gracious and good. You know that's what God is. God is gracious and good. He wants to gift us, but he must trade for faith. Amen. Salvation is by grace through faith. If you can be saved by works, God's grace is canceled out. Let me say this and I'll close. Some religions say do. Do this. Do that. Do this. Other religions say don't. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know what God's religion says? God's salvation? God's salvation says done. Done. It's finished on the cross of Calvary. If you can come by faith, repenting of your sins, you can be saved. You can be blessed. You can get in on the very grace, mercy, and blessings of God. I don't know about you, but I say I'll take that. 
God help us as I close this message. I didn't even get to the word impute. We'll get it the next time sometime. God help us to have faith in our Heavenly Father. Amen. Can I just be real honest with you? If there's something that I need worse than anything today, it is faith. It is what God trades in. It's what God's economy is set up on. God says, give me your faith. I'll give you the best that I've got in heaven. It's coming, Jessica. It's coming. God sees your faithfulness. He's seen your prayer life. God's going to move in your life. Amen. And God will move in your life. I don't care what seems impossible. I don't care, I don't care where you are in life. If you'll believe God. Abraham's 100. Sarah's 90. And, and Abraham didn't say, huh, that's not going to happen. The Bible says he staggered not at the promises of God. He just believed them. And God imputed it for righteousness. I wonder this morning as we wind up the message. Is there be one here that you don't know Christ as your Savior? You've never been to the cross. You've never been saved. I want to ask you, dear friend, I want to ask you to come to Jesus today. Don't come with your works. Don't come with your goodness. Come with your faith and just say, you know what? I believe Christ died for me. I believe Christ bore my sin on the cross of Calvary. If you'll come, he'll save you. If you'll come with that attitude, he'll give you a place in the family of God. He'll pour out his blessing on you. I want to give you just a moment to move from your seat and accept Christ as your Savior. Not going to be long. I've preached a short message. I'm going to give you a short invitation. You need to be saved? Move right now. Then Christian, let me ask you a question. Does your situation look impossible? It did with Abraham. It looked impossible, but God moved. Why? Abraham believed God. Abraham was faithful. He wouldn't let go of the promises of God. The Lord wants to move in your situation. You say, preacher, you don't know it. I don't care. I know God. You say, preacher, you don't know how bad it is. I don't care. I know God. You say, preacher, you don't realize what's transpired. It doesn't matter. I know the God that's bigger than anything you've got. Christian, right now, with all your heart, your mind, your body, soul, and strength, turn it over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Brian, would you come and pray for us? God moved. I don't know what he did this morning, but he moved in this situation. He'll move in yours. Amen. All right, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we close the service this morning, Lord, may we just be reminded of what's been playing on the piano, and that's grace, grace, God's grace. 
Lord, we just want to thank you so much for your grace towards us, Lord. We thank you for your patience towards us, Lord. Lord, I just pray this morning, Lord, that we wouldn't be seeking out salvation based on what we can do, Lord, but we would just rest that you did it all. Lord, I like what the preacher said when he said, it's not a do and don't religion, it's a done religion. Lord, I pray that there be one here this morning who hasn't fully accepted you as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day they'd get that settled, Lord. They wouldn't leave this place until they get that settled. And Lord, for that Christian who's wondering and just find themselves defeated, Lord, may they just recognize the strength they have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I just want to say thank you for just blessing our service today, Lord, settling in upon this place as you do so many times before, Lord. And Lord, I pray you'd bless us now as we go our separate ways, Lord. May we just put a smile on our face and say, it's truly been good to be in your house today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.